We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. It is Thursday, October 13th, less than two weeks from opening night in the NBA. Um, as we continue our, our grab bag of preseason topics on this podcast, uh, we're going to go back and do some bold predictions for each team. And the caveat being, we haven't written these down ahead of time. So how this is going to work is impromptu bold predictions. I'm going to throw out a team. Off the top of your head, James, you have to give me a bold prediction, whatever comes to mind for that team. When it's my turn, you throw out a team, and I do the same. So, again, we want to we're emphasize. We're not sure how this is going to go. We're not sure. No, we, we honestly have don't not. care either. It could go very well. It could go poorly, but this is what we're going to do. I, I think the, the ceiling is it goes okay. Okay, yeah. That's, I, I wouldn't that's say true. it could go very well. Um, but, yeah, we, can't, we really can't emphasize how little we've prepared for this. So, <laughs> I'll throw out a team first. Uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Los Angeles Clippers. Man, this is such a you know generic team in the sense that we they've been the same team basically for the past three or four years. So it's kind of hard to see something you know unexpected happening here. Um, Bold prediction. I will say. I will say that 
Alan Anderson gives them. Alan Anderson is their fifth best player this year. Is that bold? I it for most teams that would be bold, uh, with the exception of maybe like the Bucks and the Nets and the Sixers. Um, but no, I think that's fair. I mean, so he has a better year than Austin Rivers or, or Mo Spates or Wes Johnson, and Jamal Crawford. And Jamal Crawford. Okay, that's, that maybe adds the boldness to it. Yeah, yeah, starting off hot. Yeah, that's. I mean, if you can't get excited about an Alan Anderson take, <laughs> uh, I mean. Well, that's the thing with the Clippers. It's like you know, we know the big four: Redick, Paul, Griffin, and DeAndre. And outside of that, like you said, it's just it might be the worst bench in the league. Yeah, I think people are oddly kind of not crapping on this bench to the extent that I probably would. <laughs> it um, hasn't been crapped on enough. <laughs> no, I, I feel like people need to step step it up in that department. Um, all right, Europe. So, by the way, I, I baited you with that Clippers one. I, I hope you would throw me something with Diamond Stone, but maybe next time. <laughs> you you love the idea of me being the Diamond Stone expert. Like it's well, not. what's the over-under <laughs> on number of rap songs Diamond Stone drops on SoundCloud throughout the season? Um, Three and a half? More than the number of games he plays. Eh, I'll, ta- I'll take the over. <laughs> I, I don't see how he gets into a game. Okay, so 29 teams left. <laughs> Clippers are off the board. All right, uh, bold prediction time for you to talk about the Pelicans. Uh, all right. Um, I don't love the hand I've been dealt here. <laughs> uh, I, I'm so, so low on the Pelicans going into this year. I, I've heard people talk about them as, you know, if Davis has a vintage Davis year, maybe they're an eight seed. Like, I think Davis can play to the maximum ability, and they're still – I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they're not going to be a playoff team. Um I will say that Anthony Davis is second team All NBA. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's not all that bold, uh, but considering this could be a twenty-five to thirty-five win team, and the amount of depth that there is at, at the in the front court, uh, I think Davis has a big time bounce back year, and, and he's a second team All NBA player. Yeah, no, that that definitely works as bold for me okay. because it's a pretty loaded. You know, you talk about guys at that kind of position in the league right mm-hmm. now. It's it's pretty loaded. Sure. Um, San Antonio Spurs. Ooh. Well, I, I'm I'm a big fan of this. Do you not have anything team. prepared? Uh, I think I think Kawhi Leonard finishes. Man, I don't even know what he finished last year. Uh, would it be bold to say he finishes a top three in the MVP? I think so. Voting? I think that I, I will officially declare that bold enough. Okay, that's bold enough. I know he's not in the top three in terms of odds, so I guess that that helps it. Sure, that helps its boldness. That helps. Uh, yep. Solidify that take as bold. So that that's that's, that's really the biggest there. concern here is is it bold? <laughs> not is it accurate or is it fair? Is it bold? Um, I'll try. I'll try to find where he finished uh, last season. Uh, while, I mean, you, I, while you make your case here, I feel like he might have actually finished close to the top three last year just because of how many games they won. Uh, yeah, you finished second last year. Okay, okay. <laughs> Bring in the bold. Um, but, I mean, like I said, he, I, think he's, I think he's like 10 he to 1 He finishes lower than, than he finished last yeah. year. Um, no, I mean, honestly, I think with the, the monster that is Golden State, like that's going to kind of throw a, an unknown into the MVP race with how that shakes out. So, I mean, Kawhi finishing third wouldn't be a huge surprise, but with as much talent as there is in the league, like actually, you, no, no. Here, let me. You I'll, I'll, throw a, I'll throw a second take. 
possibly bolder, maybe the same amount of bold, but uh, I think David Lee is is semi revitalized uh, to the point that he starts to look appealing to other teams because of how he plays in the Spurs offense. Ooh. Like he'll still be a terrible defender, uh, but on offense, I think they're gonna really, really maximize his strengths and uh, not get burned by his weaknesses the way that I think most teams would. So I, I think that they're going to use him to the point that David Lee as like a bench big man becomes a, a thing that other teams want again in the NBA, which is something that I would say coming into this year is not the case. Okay. I mean, if there's a place for him to, to go and kind of revitalize his career, San Antonio would, would certainly seem to be the place. All right. Now it's time for you to throw out a bold prediction about Super bold. the Charlotte Hornets. Man, it's, this is a team I just can't shut up about. Um, <laughs> Have you already used all your, your bold <laughs> takes on that? Yeah, I've been, what, what haven't I said? <laughs> um, Charlotte Hornets. You know, I, I was going to say they don't make the playoffs, but I think they do. Um, I will say Michael Kidd Gilchrist has by far the best season of his NBA career. Oh, okay. And that comes from me watching him actually look like a normal professional basketball player when he shoots a jumper now. The hitch is gone. That happened? He, yeah. Is that he, happening? I, with my own eyes, uh, via a screen, so not in person, saw him come off of a screen and hit a jump shot yeah. without a hitch. I mean, it looked like it could have been, you know, I wouldn't say Steph Curry. Because that's a big, that's, to yes. me, that's a big uh part of why I don't think they're going to make the playoffs is I'm just kind of assuming it's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist is right. one of the worst offensive players in the we'll league. We'll see. I mean, you know, this is preseason and Obviously, he's been, he's yeah. been up and down. So, you know, we'll have to give it 10 or 15 games before we really buy in. But I, I think on paper, they look like a better team with Kidd Gilchrist. But like you said, I mean, they're, they're the complexion of that team totally changed when he got hurt. And I think it changed for the better, at least offensively, yeah. having Nick Batum and Marvin Williams in there who can both shoot, can both make plays off the dribble, as opposed to Kidd Gilchrist, who's by far the best defender of the three, but is such, or at the time at least, was such a, a zero offensively. Yeah, to me, there's no debate that they were better without him. And I've heard people say, you know, I mean, everyone's kind of just, flummoxed by that they're over under which is like what 39 yeah i'm actually taking the under there but i think most people just look at that and they're like why is it so low obvious over you know that and people mention getting kid gilchrist back as like part of the reason they'll go over and to me he something needs to have changed about him in order for right. that to be a logical conclusion and if he has mm-hmm. actually become a and he does, all he needs to be able to do is hit open jump shots. At a, yeah, I mean, they're not going to ask him to – I mean, right. he's, gonna, he's still going to be the fourth or fifth option offensively right. when he's on the court he at just, almost all if times. He, if he gets the ball and he's 16 feet away from the hoop and the defense is begging him to shoot it, he has to confidently take that shot and make right. it at like a 40, 45%. Yeah, point. I mean, he doesn't have to be a 40% three-point shooter at all. He, no. just, he, needs, he needs to avoid what the issue was for Giannis and Parker with the Bucks last season was – not only were they bad shooters, they were so reluctant that it clogged everything up. Like, he just has to be somewhat of a threat. Like, he can't be like what Robertson was for OKC for most of the year. He has to be playoff Robertson where you at least have to run out. Well, playoff Robertson, don't even get me started. That was absurd. He played over his head, um, sure. But, but I, like, yeah. Like, he forced people to run out on him and it exactly. opened things up. Um, okay, that's enough on the Hornets. How about the Detroit Pistons? All right, uh, 
man, that Reggie Jackson injury. I need a drum roll sound effect. Makes it a little tough here because I. I mean, he'll be back in December. I think the Detroit Pistons finish with the number two seed in the East. And I'm not going to say <gasps> who's going to come. I'm not going to say who finishes ahead of them, but I think they're going to have home court advantage until the Eastern Conference Finals or possibly even. What do you mean they're not? Who's it, The Cavs I, are coming ahead of them. Eh. Are the Cavs finishing third? I mean, I think that it's anything's in play, really, with those top four teams to me. Like, you could tell me, like, Cleveland, Toronto, Boston, Detroit, like, you could tell me in, like, any order, and I would I would be okay. told I wouldn't even, like, blink. I mean, I guess the Cavs being fourth would be extremely shocking, but... Well, the uh, thing is, those teams could all be separated by, like, two games. Right. I, I think the Pistons are going to be my favorite team to watch in the Eastern Conference this year. Like, that... To me, that that's that's kind of bold, but I, I just love uh, the depth. I mean, to, they're kind of – I think we've made this comparison before, but they're sort of the Utah Jazz of, of the East in that they just have a lot of really quality players. They're not going to be mm-hmm. running out um, terrible players, which is which is going to happen with a lot of these teams in the East. I like that they finally have a backup point guard, you know, and I who's think, now their starter for, for the meantime. Yeah, I um, think – and he's a great uh, – sort of change of pace guy i mean it's not that big of a change of pace when reggie jackson's your starter but um ish smith i mean he at least really puts his uh puts his trademark on the game kind of when he comes in right and i think stanley johnson might take a leap this year uh tobias harris is still a lot younger than people probably think he is uh 24 years old wow i would have said he's 46 that's crazy tobias harris like has been around for, for he has um i mean he could still take another step i think john lewer's in the best situation of his career um i, I think that there's just a, a lot of reasons why uh this pistons team to me is is a, a lock to to be a top four seed and i, I think they're going to be a top two seed okay fair enough those those are all bold enough um my turn all right uh how about a bold prediction on the indiana pacers Man, just Hornets, Pistons, Pacers <laughs> all in a row. The, the teams of everybody's chattering about. Um, I, a lot of people I've talked to are down on the Pacers. Uh, I, I am up on the Pacers. I up think pace. I'm up. That's bold enough for me. Really? Okay. Um, <laughs> I think, let's see. I think that the Indiana Pacers are a top four team in the East at the All-Star break. And I'm very concerned about the coaching. I, I think this there's a, there's a, a better collection of talent on this roster than I think there was last year, at least at the top. Um, you know, adding Thaddeus Young, bringing in Jeff Teague, and, and Miles Turner taking the next step. Even a guy like Al Jefferson, who you know the league has kind of passed him by in some ways, but he can give you points off the bench. I don't like that they lost Mahimi. I still don't love you know how Monte Ellis has played as the two there. Um, they didn't get a lot out of CJ Miles last year. It seemed like he was always banged up. If Frank Vogel was still coaching this group, I would feel really good about it. The the coaching is going to be the biggest question for me. But uh, I think Paul George, you know, now two full years removed uh, from that injury, you know, is going to be, you know, probably have the best year of his career coming off of a great summer. I think Teague being back in his hometown is going to help him out. Best year of um, Paul George's career. Yeah, I mean he's still going up, right? If you're assuming well, that look the, at, I mean, I I'm. 
I think he's a an excellent, you know, franchise player, but his shooting percentages last year are kind of mind blowing. Like when you sort of consider the way that people talk about him and think about him as a as a shooter and everything. Yeah. Forty forty one point eight percent from the field, thirty seven from three. Yeah, I mean it that's not that's not what your typical like all NBA wing no. does. And you know, I think a lot of that is just that he was shooting so many threes that it right. really took it dragged down his overall percentages. Um Yeah, I mean at, at the time it was, you know, two more threes per game than his career yeah. average. Um I'd like to see him do a bit more in, in the post. Um Right. I mean, but I, I, I don't think those those really tell the whole story at all. But it's just it's interesting to right. see a guy like that shoot that poorly from the field. Yeah, I mean, he was still good. You know, right around the rim, he was at sixty percent, which was one percentage point lower than his career average. He was he was a little bit down in the mid range, but but yeah, like you said, the three point volume is what is what kind of set him back from an overall percentage standpoint. I think defensively, though, you know, he, yeah. he gives you so much there that you're kind of living, willing to live with it, but. No, that is concerning. I mean, 40, 41.8% for a wing is really, really low. Like, I mean, that's, I wouldn't be that's happy like, if that was what my like point guard or shooting guard was shooting. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to be 44, 45 at least, preferably in right. the, you know, above 45 to 50 range. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think this team has the talent, at least on paper, uh, to be really good. I, we'll see if they can sustain it for a whole year, but I think they get off to a fast start um, and are in the top four going into the All-Star break. The Milwaukee Bucks. We'll stay with the East. I'm doing the Bucks. You're doing the Bucks. Basically, I wanted to avoid having to do this one myself. <laughs> All right. Um, Is well, 82 and 0 in play? <laughs> uh, my prediction about the Bucks is that Nick Whalen's going to talk about Michael Beasley on every single podcast during the year. No. That's a lock. Um, that's Move not, on. That's not bold at all. Um, I think you should have just rephrased that as he <laughs> won't talk about him for the rest of the year. Like, that would have been really hard. <laughs> uh, I think – all right, here's one. Uh, I think Matthew Delvadova is going to finish second in MVP voting in PER. Okay. All right, I'm fine with that. Um, I'm down on the Bucks. I'm a little. <laughs> I mean, who isn't? Is anyone up on the Bucks? Mm, no one should be up on the Bucks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, you and I were talking at, at, just at lunch about the chances that they get an All Star. I don't think it's happening. Um, well, like, the, see, like, I think that was so. Zach Lowe, like, I, I haven't read our the, colleague. I haven't read the <laughs> haven't read the article yet, but uh, uh, DJ was saying that Zach Lowe made a bold prediction that the that Giannis would make the all-star team to me that's bold that's, that's a lot of people bold. I think are like this is the year like no it's not the year it's bold because that team's going to be so so bad that it would be he would need to just be so good that like because it, it when you're a coach and you're voting for that for who's going to be on the all-star team uh, or picking who's going to be on the all-star team you haven't seen like all of us fans have seen these guys way more than any coach has because right. they they only really see them when they play. Them. Well, a lot of coaches say they just pass the ballots. You know, same for season long awards, they just pass it to an assistant. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, maybe the the assistant is kind of more sort of in tune with uh, just looking at a, at a player's numbers and efficiency and everything, and kind of not putting as much of an emphasis on wins. But there's it's just so hard to think back. Like, other than the DeMarcus Cousins example, like, 
who was the last, you know, super... I mean, has, has DeMarcus even made an All-Star? Yeah, he was on yeah, it last okay. year. Yeah, so, like, other than DeMarcus Cousins, like, when was the last time a really good player yeah. made the All-Star team from a terrible team? I don't, I, don't, I don't even know offhand. I mean, the Bucks haven't had an All-Star since 2004. Yeah. I mean, think about that. They're, not mean, that they've deserved one <laughs> since then. But I, and the other thing is, like, it's just hard to go through. You know, we, we did this a couple weeks ago. We named our All-Star teams. And, yeah, Giannis is in the conversation. But you really have to start looking like, okay, if we're putting Giannis in. I would put him in. Like, I think to say that he'll be deserving isn't bold at all. I think, I think there's – Sure. I think if he stays healthy, he'll absolutely be deserving of being in. Yeah, um, it's just like is is Giannis averaging nineteen eight and six more deserving than Al Horford having a, a vintage Horford year? You know, nothing spectacular, but the Celtics are in first place at the All Star break. You know, the tie goes to the winner. Right, right, right. Um, okay, and it's not even like even the teams like the the Knicks and the Bulls who are gonna and the Hawks who are gonna be kind of maybe straddling five hundred. Yeah. Probably a little worse than that. Even those teams are going to be five or six games ahead of the Bucks at the break. So, right. Um, all right. Now, you're going to have to throw out a bold prediction about that very same Atlanta Hawks team who you always are, are so high on on this show. Man, this is five Eastern Conference teams in a row. Um, <laughs> Dwight Howard is an all-star. Dwight Ooh. Howard reasserts himself as a top three like center – Top four center, depending on what you consider, Towns, Davis, Thon Maker, guys like that. Um, he reasserts himself <laughs> as, a, as a top-tier center in the league. He's revitalized playing in his hometown. The Hawks, um, I think in a lot of ways, the Hawks kind of just hit their ceiling with the Teague, Millsap, Horford, core. And I don't know that they'll be a better team this year. I don't know that the ceiling's all that higher. But I think they, they made the right decision, at least. Not that they wanted to part ways with Horford, but I think in some ways it was better to mix it up because had they kept the same core intact, had they signed Horford for another five years, it was going to be another, you know, three, four years, as long as Millsap is there of the same exact thing. At least with, with Schroeder, you know, with Howard, you're, you're throwing in some wild cards. It could end really badly, but uh, I've always been a steadfast Dwight guy. Um, I hope he doesn't start shooting too many jumpers, but I think he's in a situation now where the offense will – it's not going to be tailored around him, but there isn't a James Harden there that's going to suck up so many possessions. I don't think he's going to be begging, you know, for touches. I think they're just going to come a little more naturally. And is he going to be down to just pick and roll all game long? He's he he can apparently shoot jumpers now, so that's maybe not what you want. Yeah, you well, want if he's if he's rolling to the rim, then sure, of course. But uh, you want him shooting zero jumpers? Yes, that, that would help. You don't want him shooting any free throws, any anything <laughs> where he's away from like anything non dunk really. Uh, so Dwight Howard dunks his way to the All-Star game. Okay. I like that one. Okay. Um, let's get to the West. Sacramento. Sorry. Oh, okay. Whammy. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is like playing Wheel of Fortune and you spin and hit bankruptcy. All right. Um, hmm. Hmm. I think... <laughs> uh... This is tough. Um, I mean, I'm I'm on record of being. I think the Kings are gonna hit their their over under. Uh, I think they're gonna go over. I think that was at like thirty six or something like that. I I think that uh, Dave Yeager uh, is the best coach Demarcus Cousins has ever had uh, after college. Um, but I just man, that that backcourt is such a mess. 
Um, so is the front court and the bench. It's a, a lot of it's a mess. I th- okay. Just I don't necessarily believe this, but just so we can move on, I think Ben McLemore is somewhat revitalized. We see signs of life from Ben McLemore. He had a kid year. over the summer. I think that uh, he enters the starting lineup at some point in the early going, and Aaron Aflalo moves to the bench, and Aaron Aflalo has a sad face on every game, but uh, McLemore uh, kind of reaffirms that he actually belongs in the NBA. Okay. <laughs> Lottery pick confirms he's an NBA player. All right, we'll take it. <laughs> All right. Um, you can throw out a bold prediction for the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves do not make the playoffs. This is an easy one. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think they're quite ready. Um, you know, it's it's weird that this is a hot take considering they haven't made it in, what, like, 12 years, 13 years, something like that. I've made it um, Yeah. Well, I, I mean, really, it, they've the roster's talented. Levine just went for 30 in, in basically a half the other night. Um, you know, I, I like the Timberwolves. I'm rooting for the Timberwolves. I think they'll be a really, really fun team to watch this season, and that, that's not a take really by any means. Uh, I just don't think they're quite ready. I think the point guard situation is still a little bit of a mess. Um, don't love the depth behind Shabazz. You know, I think he's clearly, to me, their – probably their best bench player besides Chris Dunn. Uh, I, I, I like the addition of Cole Aldridge. People are down on that. I think he can be a, a good 10 to 15-minute guy. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I just have my questions, I guess, about the spacing still for this team. Uh, Wiggins was so much better as a three-point shooter after the break. If that continues, uh, you know, it eases my concerns a little bit. If Levine shoots like he did last year, that's great. But you still don't have shooting at point guard. You don't have shooting at all at power forward. And, you know, I think you're relying – I, I don't want to talk about that man. Uh, and, and I think you're expecting a lot from town. So, you know, I, I think I, if they move Ricky Rubio at some point and, and can get can get some bench depth or can, you know, maybe add some sort of future piece, whether it's a draft pick or a young guy, I, I like this a little bit more. But as constructed right now, I think the Wolves are still a year away. Hottest take of the pad yet. Um, all right, well, we'll give you a, a choice here. Do you want the no, – no choice? No choice. Oh, okay, fine. Um, Denver. Denver, what a team. Uh, Well, I think, I don't know if this is bold, but I'll I'll even throw in the team that he gets traded to. So Kenneth Reed gets traded at some point during the season, and he gets traded to the... Chicago Bulls. Four. I don't know. I, that, that's to be determined, but that, that seems like the Player type to be of, named. That seems like the type of team that might want Kenneth Reed. Uh yeah, I mean I <laughs> I think they would have to get they'd have to be sending a forward back though, right? I mean that's that's the position right now. They have three guys that they haven't even announced who's gonna start. Hoyberg said it's probably not gonna be until right before opening night, whether it's Gibson, Miritich, or Portis. I think they might they might send Portis back. DP? I just I don't wh- why 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 would you do that? They're bulls. Yeah. Why would they do anything they've done? I that's a, a very sound argument. <laughs> but I mean, like Portis is cheaper. He's younger. His upside would seem to be higher at this point. Yeah. Well, 
I don't know. I can't explain to you why the Bulls <laughs> do it. what they do. What I they think do. That's a bad fit, man. I'm just telling you. That, okay. That uh, right. Kenneth Reed's gonna get moved during right. the season. You Chicago. heard it here first. Windy Kenneth Reed headed to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, how about the Oklahoma City Thunder? The Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, boy. The Oklahoma City Thunder do not make the playoffs in the Western Conference. I like that. I think Russell Westbrook is going to do – there's no way that Westbrook, if, not, if healthy, is not going to have a crazy year. I think that – to say that there's a better chance that they miss the playoffs than Westbrook not having an insane statistical year. But I just don't think it's going to be enough. It wasn't enough. Uh, two years ago when they had they were in really good position you know when Durant went down when Ibaka went down to stay in the playoff you know picture they couldn't they really couldn't stay above 500 Um, I think the West is still too good where you're getting 41 wins isn't going to get you in Um, I think Westbrook probably misses five or ten games at some point you know just from exhaustion more or less Um, and they have questions I mean not only are you losing the best player in franchise history and a top three player in the NBA you're also losing the third best player in franchise history, um, and you know somebody who's been a mainstay in that front court for five years. I think you know it, it's easier said than done to replace that. Your coach is only in his second year, um, and I, th- I think I was impressed overall with what Billy Donovan did in the reviews. Uh, I think that he received you know internally, especially in the playoffs. I thought he coached really well, but it's a little bit harder to judge when you have Westbrook, Ibaka, and Durant on a roster. Now we're going to see more, I think, of of who Billy Donovan is as an NBA coach and. You know, I don't know if there's going to be anyone specifically to blame. I just think when you're removing so much talent from this team um, and the way that it happened, I, I, I just don't see them making the playoffs right now. I like that one. I think okay. that that's definitely in play. Uh, they could they could miss the playoffs with everyone staying healthy, I think. Toronto. All right. Uh How about Bebe? How about Bebe gets uh, some most improved player love towards the end of the year? Okay. I don't know if he's going to win it, but he might. He might be on the might be on the landscape. He might be brought up when the most improved player award okay. is discussed in basketball circles. His name might come up. All right, I like that. Um, are you? Are they going to play Pirtle at all this year? I don't really see any. Think of all to. we've heard a lot about most of these lottery picks in training camp and in preseason. Like I have not heard Jakob Pertl's name once in any context throughout the entire preseason. No, which maybe is a good thing. Maybe <laughs> he's just maybe he's just doing work. And I mean, he's also the type of player, though. It's not like you're not going to watch like Jakob Pertl and be like, "Oh, I gotta gotta tell someone about this." What I just saw, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even even if he's like, even if he's playing really well, like he's not the type yeah. of guy that really stands out. Yeah, I mean, there is a void there with, with Bayambo gone. Um, you know, Valanchunas, they've been reluctant to play in big minutes. You know, he was sitting out fourth quarters for a lot of last year. Um, and if they're looking for that more, you know, rangy defensive center, kind of somewhat in the mold of Bayambo, I guess that that's probably Nogueira. Uh, all right, who do we got next? Well, I think we have the Memphis Grizzlies. I think the Memphis Grizzlies are a top four team in the Western Conference. I think 
talent-wise, that's not the case. But I think continuity-wise with this roster, um, you know, ideally they would have kept their coach around. Um, but but obviously the relationship with, with management there soured. But I think Fisdale is a, is a great replacement. Um, yeah, I didn't like what Indiana did bringing in a kind of a retread guy in uh, in McMillan, and I think Fisdale's probably been due for a while, you know, to get to get this opportunity. And this, this seems like a good spot for him. You know, the you have fizz. the Fizz has uh, the veteran. We presence. gotta get the Fizz on one of these podcases. I think he. I, I think feel like we could maybe bait him into doing this. I think he'd he'd dig the vibe. I, I think, think he we're, would. We're we're the Fizz's type of guys. Yeah, and he's our type of guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what, what, what can you say about the guy? He's got it's got it going on on and off the court. Uh, but I think I think the Grizzlies. This is a forty-two. We need to in, hang with the Fizz. Right, is really what we need. To we do. need an in. Yeah. If anybody Fizz, if you're like, listening, can we go like eat barbecue with him or something like right. that. Like uh, go to like a blues place in in Memphis, yeah. something like that. I want to just hang out. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe he introduces us to some of his friends. Like, you know, maybe we we go maybe we to become like assistant a, coaches. Another, yeah. another spot afterwards. And, right. You know, who knows? And we never come back. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, this team had, I believe, twenty-eight players that played in games last year. They were a 42-win team. Marcus All didn't play after the All-Star break. Mike Conley was not really himself all year. Tony Allen was banged up. Zach Randolph was banged up. Um, big question marks are, can these guys stay healthy? Can Zebo adjust to playing off the bench? Um, and can Chandler Parsons you know, basically stay healthy and fit in with this team? If the answer to all those questions is yes, I think this team is right behind the Clippers, the Spurs, and the Warriors to me in the West. You know, they're kind of in that same tier competing with Portland, with Utah, um, you know, with Minnesota, if you like them, or OKC, if you like them. But uh, I, think, I think if they stay pretty healthy, uh, it's between them, Portland, uh, and Utah for that fourth spot in the West. All right. The Philadelphia 76ers. Oh. What a team. What a roster. The model franchise. Let's see. Uh, you know, Joel Embiid, is it weird that I was not all that impressed by him? Yes, it was weird. Like, so when I watch him play, um, he's just too big. Like, he's too <laughs> big. Like, it, it just doesn't work. Like, what he's... He's that type of big guy who guards just swarm to and take the ball from him and like he's falling down and like you know I I you know he he can pick up fouls like in a hurry just because like when he boxes out it just looks like a foul. Mm-hmm. Um I just I just don't think that there's I think that there's a chance that he's just a guy who really should have just come along 20 years ago and that today's game, there's just so many ways that I think a team uh, can neutralize his, his strengths, uh, especially on the offensive end and can, I mean, if you get him into like a pick and roll uh, with, you know, say you're like the Warriors or the Blazers or, or someone like that, and you can get him isolated on a, on a guard I, it could just get really ugly. Um, I, I just don't like the way he moves. I think that I think that people are going to be. I think there's a, a ton of hype building around Embiid. I think people are going to be underwhelmed by season's end and and not necessarily view him as a uh, as like a top you know young cornerstone sure. in the league. 
I, th- I think I could see him having more of a Porzingis rookie year than a Towns rookie year. And, you know, not to take anything away from Porzingis, but if you look at the numbers, they weren't all that great. You know, I think there's a clear distinction between like where, not that Porzingis career, you know, he can't, he, I think he will be an all-star, but I think there's a clear differential between where Towns is headed and where Porzingis is headed. And I think they're both, you know, headed for stardom, but I think Towns is, his, his trajectory and his ceiling are higher than that of Porzingis. And I think the same reason is, He's just too big. He's just he's too big. You can't. He, he like moves better though. Or, Embiid or Porzingis? Uh, Porzingis. Yeah, Porzingis is better laterally and for sure. And he's got better. Um, just just kind of like you know, there's smooth actions right. Embiid with the ball. Like when Embiid gets the ball, he's it's very just mechanical, very like clunky. Um, yep. Like even like a guy like Shaq, who's just you know was always just the biggest guy out there, uh, impossible to guard, kind of the way that you would think Embiid would be. But Shaq was just so quick, like mm-hmm. with the ball, like he'd get it and like like boom, boom, like move. He's dunking on you, and like you don't right. give the other team time to send help or or. You know, well, no one has a drop step like Shaq either. You know, where right. you can literally just use his leg to kind of seal you off right. and just place the ball in the hoop like that. We haven't seen anyone really, but be able to master that move like he has. Um, but no, I'm with you. I mean, I want Embiid to go crazy and have an awesome year. I think everybody does, but. Yeah, it's he's not a Towns level upside guy for me right now. Uh, he's still really intriguing. Obviously, he has a ton of skills at that at that size that you just don't see. But I think you said on our last podcast, you if you're looking at a prototypical big guy, you want him to be six ten, six eleven, and move like Towns rather than be seven two or seven three and move like Embiid. Yeah, I just think there's a longer um, a longer list of like recent examples of of that that type of frame working, and I just think it's. You know, you lessen the the injury risk. I feel you. Well, once you get over like six eleven, to me, in some ways, it's all the same. You know, like as right. far like, as length, like what what shots? I mean, we're, we're I'm all like I don't, I could never get enough wingspan. Um, but like, sure. In terms of just pure height, like what what shot are you blocking because you're six two that you're not blocking because you're six eleven? And which guys that are six two? Can like if you just take a guy that's six eleven and a guy that's or a guy that's seven two and they yeah jump, you meant seven two right yeah, yeah. Okay. And, they, and they jump like the guy that's six eleven is gonna have such a so much more in the vertical that he's gonna be jumping higher than right the guy exactly that's seven, two. I think it's it's more intriguing and kind of you know when you're looking at a prospect kind of it's easy to get a nab or like wow he moves like this at at seven yeah, two well, but like well, yeah he seven, moves really two. well for a seven two guy yeah compare yeah. him to he he's not gonna be guarding other seven two guys you know he's the only right. one and. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right. All right. Uh, 15 teams left. <laughs> Washington Halfway. This team uh, implodes at some point, and they either regret giving Brad Beal that extension uh, or John Wall wants out. Or the other scenario is that John Wall like demands more help there. So, I mean, I was just kind of spitballing with DJ the other day, like, what about trade? I think John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins want to link up at some point, and I have no basis beyond they are friends and they went to Kentucky together to yeah. believe this. Uh, but they're they're in similar situations to me. Like Wall's been in Washington, surrounded by mostly crap talent for since he's been drafted. DeMarcus Cousins in Sacramento, surrounded by mostly crap talent. Like who's the best player that he's played with? Rudy Gay, Rondo, uh, who, uh, Cousins, um, yeah, Karan Butler. Probably someone from like his rookie year, uh, or I don't know, like his rookie year. Yeah, I don't. We'll but see like, exactly. John like, Salmons. I don't know. Yeah, but like, uh, can you? I, I just got the 
image in my head of um, Scotty Brooks coaching DeMarcus Cousins. Would that be the most hilarious thing of all time? Like, sure. Has there ever been like someone who DeMarcus Cousins would just run over, like, like he would <laughs> Scotty Brooks in terms of anything? I mean, there are a few, of course. Yeah, you know, you, right, you link right, him up with sure. Byron or Sam sure. Mitchell or Mike Brown. Yeah. You know the the. The pantheon of coaches who get run over by superstars. I, I, I forget who it was. Uh, I think it was David Thorpe I heard make this um, analogy that I think one of the reasons Cousins is so uh, – it's t- he's just never really kind of figured it out is that he's in Sacramento and he just has such a gigantic leash because he's the only star in town. Like yeah. if he was in like New York or L.A., or somewhere where, like, the papers would actually go after him, you know? Right. Like, reporters would call him out. Like, he doesn't get called out There's at no all. incentive for exactly. that, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, he holds all the power there. But uh, And that's why I think he kind of decides. Like, if if this is, what, year six for him, year mm-hmm. five, he, you know, he, I, I think he just has enough. And he's like, get me out of here. And the thing is with, like, yeah, Washington, like, they don't have the assets to make that deal unless Sacramento would be dumb enough to, like, take back Brad Beal. But, you know, if there's any team that would do it, it's probably them. Uh, so I, th- I think uh, I think John Wall, maybe he doesn't get out, but I think he wants out sometime do, in the year. Would you do Brad Beal, Otto Porter, and Kelly Oubre for DeMarcus Cousins? I think, well, first, you have to do Beal, theoretically, for salary. Right, right. Um, I wouldn't feel great about it, no. I mean, I think if I'm the Wizards... Like, basically, would you, like, to get to a point where all you really have in terms of assets are Cousins those two. and Wall. Well, I mean, you don't have a whole lot else right now. Right. <laughs> I, I think ideally you would try to throw a pick in there instead mm-hmm. of Ubre or instead of Porter, just just for short term viability. Because I mean, Wall and Cousins alone with uh, you know no one else around him, I don't know if that's enough. And I don't know if Sacramento would even do that, would they? Like you said, I mean, it's Sacramento. So it is Sacramento. I, I think they could get a better haul, but you know, we're we're just completely making this up. Um, Houston. Texans. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think I I don't know if I've said it on air. I'm I'm getting a little bit worried about my bet with DJ uh, of the the T Wolves finishing higher than the Rockets. Not because I usually a guy you want to bet against. <laughs> not because I feel any differently about um, the the T Wolves. I still like I'm as high on them as ever, but. I'm starting to see the scenario where the Rockets become a, a 48-50 win team with, with the players they have in place. However, uh, I'm kind of pot committed at this point. I think – I don't know if there's really any talk about this right now. Like, like what, do you, what do you think Mike D'Antoni's perception is right now it, like in just NBA circles as, as a coach? Like, good coach, average coach, mediocre coach? Nice guy. Um I think at this point, at least I don't know. I view him as a nice guy who, you you know what you, you know what to expect at this point. You know, there's no he's far enough into his career that he kind of is what he is as an offensive coach. And Houston brought in you know a defensive coach to kind of work with him. You know, they're not just handing this completely over to D'Antoni and saying you know screw defense. Uh, so maybe we'll see a little bit different than than we saw at least in in his last job in L.A. But. I, I think he's respected, right? I mean, the, the Rockets aren't a team that makes rash hires or rash decisions. Well, so I, I think at the end of the year, people are going to be like, oh, wait, we actually, like, talked ourselves into Mike D'Antoni being able to, like... Like, I think people are going to have all this regret about being 
as high on the Rockets as they are, and they're going to look at Mike D'Antoni and be like, there's the scapegoat. That's the reason sure. why this team didn't meet our expectations. This is the reason why this team kind of, once again... I think that could partially fall on Harden, though, too. I think that because of D'Antoni's just style, like, I think Harden is going to be in the MVP consideration. Uh, I just think, like, you might see them just get absolutely torched in a, in right. a postseason series. Or yeah, this team is not built to win a postseason um, series. I just think that there's – the, the the perception of, of D'Antoni now versus this time next year is going to be quite different in, okay. a, in a negative way. All right, yeah. I think in a lot of ways D'Antoni made it out of L.A. not looking like the scapegoat, right? I mean, it was kind of Dwight, one, Kobe in some ways, two, management, three. Like, he – he was kind of the nice guy trying to hold things together there, and you think it could go opposite? I just think that um, – I basically think Steve Nash is the reason – is that Steve Nash is like the basketball genius, and mm-hmm. Tony just happened to be the coach who – like the first decision he made by like opening up that offense into the seven seconds or less Suns, that was excellent. And then once he did that, like I don't attribute any – of the success following that on him. Right. Just put it all on Yeah, the I mean, you had on that team, you know, three, one lock Hall of Famer, two, low, like, two like, borderline Hall of Famers. Like Joe Johnson was, like, the fourth right. best player on one of those teams. Yeah, like, exactly. And prime. he was only there for a little yeah. bit. Right, exactly. I mean, you had Marion in his prime, Stoudemire, you know, entering yeah. to middle of yeah. his prime, Nash in his prime. Um, I mean, are the Rockets basically going to be, like, <laughs> the Texas Tech football of the NBA <laughs> where they'll yeah. score with anybody, but they're, they're just going to allow – I think that's a good comp. I think, like, I think James Harden's numbers might look crazier, especially to like <laughs> to be the David Klinger of the like, yeah. <laughs> like, like I think stat heads, like people that like that value you know advanced metrics and everything, are gonna like Westbrook and Harden are both gonna put up crazy numbers. But I think they're gonna people are gonna look at Harden's numbers and be like, well, these are way better because mm-hmm. look at what he's shooting, uh, you know, look at you know his usage rate, look at how many times he's getting the line, everything like that. Uh, so I think his numbers are going to be absolutely insane. But I just, yeah, I think yeah. that the end of the year, people aren't going to be all that happy with the results. All right, you can talk about the Utah Jazz. Well, I like the Utah Jazz quite a bit. I, I think in some ways the the Gordon Hayward. Uh, injury, it, it doesn't help them. I mean, injury to your, arguably your best player never helps, but it, it'll at least alleviate things a little bit because they have a little bit of a log jam on that roster on the wing. Uh, it'll allow Rodney Hood and, and Alec Burks to kind of get back in the swing of things and Joe Johnson. Um, I think I think this team, one, they make the playoffs, and we've been saying this for the last two years. That's not really all that hot of a take, but I think they can – I think they make the playoffs as the sixth seed and beat San Antonio in round one. Nice. Um, I just think they're deep everywhere. I think they – I said to DJ the other day, I love the way that they've built in this depth. You know, they're not a team like Denver or even Boston where everyone's kind of the same age and, you know, you kind of have this, these competitions for not only minutes but, like, developmental minutes. You know, it's we want to develop six guys all at once. Like, they have guys that are all at the right stages. Like, Derek Favors, prime. Gordon Hayward, prime. Rodney Hood, Alec Burks, you know, kind of coming into their own. They can split time at shooting guard. Then you have a veteran in Joe Johnson who can play three positions, you know, doesn't have these expectations of playing 35 minutes and being the guy. Same goes for Boris Diaw. You have Joe Inglis, who's a a guy that any roster would want, and he's just perfect to play 
15 or 20 minutes, hit some threes. Um, you finally, uh, at least on paper, have the point guard position settled. And it's just a really, really good situation, I think, for Dante Exum to walk back into and have no pressure coming off the tour in ACL. Like, he just has to be the backup point guard, you know, kind of a utility guard. He can play both spots. Um, if they stay healthy, I think this is a really, really dangerous team. And, and finishing sixth, maybe I could be underselling them. Who do you think has the most upside just in general, long-term, out of Exum, Hood, and Lyles? I'm not as high on Trey Lyles as people seem to be. I think I like him a lot, and I think he's a, you know, a, a good NBA starter in the future. I don't, I don't know really where his ceiling is. Probably Hood to me. Uh, Exum we haven't seen quite enough of. You know, Maybe midway through the season I'll revise that. But, I mean, Rodney Hood looks like the real deal. I, I was saying to, to our, our colleague Kevin the other day that I think transferring into Duke and you know, with all the talent on that Duke team, that was the Jabari year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he kind of got overshadowed. I mean, he was awesome at Mississippi State, one of the arguably one of the you know top two or three players in the SEC. And then he comes to Duke, and I think people kind of forgot just how good he is. And now he's kind of re-reminding everyone, you know, what a threat that he is in the NBA. Yeah, no, I can't argue with that. All right, Golden State. I don't know how we've gone this long without talking about the Warriors. All right, well. Uh, I'm going to, it's, this is going to be Patrick McCaw related. Well, I already, I want to once again, go on record and say Kevin Durant's going to win the MVP, but I don't think that's very bold. I think it is. All right. Well, that's, that's going to be, that's my, it. Yep. Pat, do you, do you want Kevin me to give you a separate Patrick McCaw? Uh, I think Patrick McCaw is like with each passing week, I, <laughs> I like move him higher up my 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 rankings. Like fast from, forward like, to January, you're, like you're wearing a Patrick McCaw like jersey that, every day. From that like draft class, um, I mean this this draft class, I should say. Like he, I would maybe take him over like Jamal Murray. Like I, I'm I'm like getting that high on Patrick McCaw. Oh boy. So like, would you take him over Dejounte Murray? It's, yes, I would. Oh no, yeah. yeah. Like I. Do so you think he's the best player in this class? Like I. I would take him like probably in the top five, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> like I'm, I'm getting really kind of um, irresponsibly high on Patrick. Drinking McCaw. the Kool Aid, yeah. I need to put down the Patrick McCaw pipe and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and take a breather, stand up, go go take a walk around. Get clean, outside. man. Um, but yeah, no, I think Durant Durant wins the MVP. McCaw finishes second. McCaw <laughs> runner up. <laughs> All right, that's the boldest thing we've heard so far. <laughs> All right, so 10 teams left. Uh, give you the Portland Trailblazers. Well, Damian Lillard gets into the All-Star game this year. I think that's a lock for me. Um, I think this team, I really love their depth too. Um, Portland Portland mounts a serious uh, a serious threat to the number two and three in the West. Those being the Clippers and the Spurs. I think I don't know if they can ultimately get into that top three when it's all said and done. But I think for a lot of the year, whether it's early, mid, late, they look like you know a team that could be on that next tier behind the Warriors. I think Lillard's only going to get better. McCollum, I think last year is when we really start to see the potential of him. So I mean, I, I kind of treat this as you know, what could be his real, real coming out year. Uh, They bring everybody back, basically, from this roster. And you add in Evan Turner, who I I don't love, but if he buys into 
the Swiss Army knife, can play three positions, can be your second or third point guard. It's basically can t- keep Shabazz Napier off the floor. Um, I think they're deep everywhere. I mean, Alan Crabb is still your backup. He's a guy who would start for probably five or ten teams. Uh, Mo Harkless, Al Farouk Aminu, both of those guys started hitting threes late in the season, and they didn't have Myers Leonard for, for most of that stretch run either. And I don't love Myers Leonard, but I think he's a nice piece. And, and they also added Festus Azili on what was maybe the best uh, deal affordability-wise at the end of free agency. Um, if yeah. anything, they have too much depth. I mean, guys yeah. like Ed Davis. You well, know, see, like you didn't even mention Ed Davis. Like Bonley. I love Ed Davis. Like, Me too. He, Everybody loves Ed he's Davis. He's the type of guy that is just – those 20 minutes he gives you are just so – Effing good. Right. That's why I, I almost think they didn't need Azili because you have Davis, or they didn't need to bring back Harkless or I think it was just Aminu. such like, a cheap deal. Yeah. I don't even think they expect Azili to no. play well, I mean, much at all this year. Like I think he's, Yeah, he's I mean, the only thing of, is he... He's banged. I mean, like I just think the injury yeah. is something that... Right. Know, well, when you got him for that money, it's like right. you might... Like, I think it was just like, hey, well, if no one else wants him, we'll take him for this. The thing is, I mean, like Plumlee, they, they kind of use as that, you know, crappy version of Draymond Green where you know he can pass he, he does a little bit more not necessarily off the dribble but he can he can move a little bit more you're not going to run that pick and roll and ask Azili to, to make decisions mm-hmm. on the fly like you can with Plumlee and uh and even Myers Leonard to an extent because he can shoot it so I think Davis just gives him a different or Azili just gives him a different look at center the more traditional type um the Cleveland Cavaliers Cleveland this is a softball for you they missed the playoffs Psych. All right. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, well, I oh I I mean I actually did share with you a a, a super super hot take yeah. uh, the other day. So Seriously. this is this is I guess my time to make it official. Uh, Kyrie Irving, a more valuable fantasy player this year than LeBron James. And okay. my reasoning for this is that Kyrie Irving has a like extreme career year. Like it's like something like we haven't really seen from him to date. Uh, you know, twenty six a game, maybe four or five rebounds, six or seven assists, two steals, two and a half threes, something like that. Really solid uh, shooting percentages from from everywhere. And LeBron misses fifteen to eighteen games for just you know, whatever, rest, minor... Vacations. <laughs> yeah. Like Speaking the, engagements. Cru- cruises in the Mediterranean, you know, just a bunch of random stuff that yeah. takes him away Dinners the with team. the yeah. Saudi Arabian yeah. prince. Yeah, 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 exactly. So... Uh, well, that's what it is for me. It's like, I could see that happen. I think, you know, LeBron takes probably a slight step back statistically. Kyrie has a big year. Like, those aren't hard like, for me to believe. Yeah, I'm not even necessarily projecting any kind of per-minute decline from LeBron. I'm just saying there's going to yeah. be a lot less minutes. All right, fair enough. All right. Uh, Do you need a list of who's left? No. Okay. Um, the Phoenix Suns. All right. Uh, the Suns are really fun. I think they... This is like secretly your favorite team, I think. Mm, kind of. I think they look to move Brandon Knight by midseason. I I think they didn't count on Devin Booker being this good this fast. I they think have. they didn't count on TJ Warren being this good when healthy. Uh, they're going to be a bad team. I think they have a lot of very interesting depth up front. The problem is guys like Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender just aren't going to be ready yet. I think they're they're going to supply some some really fun basketball to watch, but it's not going to be winning basketball. Um, 
If they stay healthy, I think they can surprise some people. Uh, we just talked to DJ and I talked to Eric Name from ESPN Milwaukee yesterday, and he said that he, the Suns were his most underrated team uh, right now. And you know, talent-wise, it's not hard to see that, but I, I just, it's just hard to see this team kind of coalescing and mounting any sort of serious, you know, eight-seed run. Uh, but I think I think Knight's the odd man out. I think he's going to be a really, really good six-man, but I don't think he wants to be a six-man. Uh, the thing is, you know, if Bledsoe gets hurt again, or, or Booker goes down, or, or even Warren goes down. There's going to be a lot of minutes for Knight, regardless. So they don't necessarily have to trade him, but I think you know midseason they're they're fine with Bloodsoe and Booker, and then they they realize the value that they can get back for Knight, and maybe try to add a little bit of depth at the at the three. Do you think he's cool coming off the bench? I think he, in you know, in knowing what I know about Brandon Knight, I think he's a pretty level-headed guy, and I think he probably appreciates the way that they're out front about it, you know, and you know the way that. I think, you know, it's like when, when any time a player gets told they're moving to the bench, I'm sure they sell it as, you know, this will be better for you. This will be great. You can come in and beat up on the reserves. Like, yeah, I think that sounds great. I, I just think, you know, 20 games in, he's going to be like, all right, I want to start. And they're going to be like, no, we have Devin Booker. And then it'll be, okay, well, can you trade me? All right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it obviously makes sense for them to, to be shopping him. Mm-hmm. Good just, contract. It's just so hard player. to get value on a on a point guard. It those, is. Those guys kind of... And he's not, we don't even know if he's a point guard. That's the thing. Like that Brandon Knight, Goran Dragic kind of realm of obviously, like, no doubt, like, top mm-hmm. 18, top 15-ish point guard. Right. But probably not top 10 point guards. And guys that, like, with Dragic especially, you really have to kind of build your entire offensive system sort of around his strengths. Yep. Like, Point guard, especially this, like we talked about before, this draft class, you're going to have several uh, franchise point guards yeah, to choose from. So, which team is going to want Brandon Knight? And and you know, I mean, it's it's kind of tough, to, and it's hard to swallow a pill where you're trading him, and you're clearly getting ripped off just because you you want to get rid of him. So, yep, I think that's tough. all fair. Um, the L.A. Lakers. Ooh, showtime. Uh. Have you seen much of this team at all? No, I really haven't. So I, I've, I've watched, you know, the the game recaps, but I haven't watched much of them live yet. So Brandon Ingram, uh, he already, I think, is just really annoyed with the p- the players he has to play with um, because he just keeps. <laughs> he like, demands a trade. <laughs> he demands a trade. Um, oh, he's so annoyed right now. Um, I think he's, I mean, he's kind of a, he's a shoe-in for Rookie of the Year, right? Or is that bold? Ingram? To, yeah, to say that he's going to win Rookie I don't of the think year. he's going to be Rookie of the Year. Okay. I, think I don't he, think he's going to be very good at all. All right, I think I think Brandon Ingram wins Rookie of the Year. Okay, so who who is he beating out? I mean, so are we, in this scenario, we're assuming Simmons misses, you know, at least like a third of the year. I, what about Embiid? I think even more than that. I think Embiid's a favorite right now. I would take Dunn over Ingram. I would take no. right. well, Dario Saric. Like it's this is easy for me. I think okay. Ingram over those guys. I think Ingram easy. has a very pedestrian rookie year. I don't think it's going to take much to win this one. I okay, think he does enough to win it. All right, fair enough. Um, the Orlando Magic. Oof, whammy. Um, <laughs> I think. You know what? Let's, let's go positive. I think Frank Vogel does a great job. I think this is their first competent coach in a while, probably since Stan Van, really. 
Um, and I think he finds a way to use these four big men well. I think Alfred Payton plays just well enough, and they have kind of they have a they miss the playoffs, but they have an encouraging year where where things are looking up for the Orlando Magic. And the problem with that is Serge Ibaka is a free agent after this year, so who knows where that's going to go. But you could argue right now that their four best players are power forwards slash centers, um, depending on how much you like Fournier. Uh, he's probably in the top four, I guess. Four of your top five players are power forwards or centers. That's a problem. I don't love that they're pushing Aaron Gordon to small forward. I think he was playing well at the power forward spot last year. But he's that's- athletic enough and... As you know, I I do love the mismatch that you create by throwing a six ten freak athlete at small forward instead of power forward. So I'm so annoyed by by him playing uh, the three instead of the four. I think that's probably one of the things that annoys me most about this upcoming season is that we don't get to see. Like I feel like this would be Aaron Gordon's breakout year. Like this would be the year where everyone's just like, "Holy crap!" Like that that's the new guy. Uh, and I think we might be denied that breakout year slightly, mm-hmm. in part because just Bogle's system, it's going to be maybe not as, as open as, as you'd like. And then just in part because he's, he's playing out of position. Yeah, and I think he becomes a better player overall this year. I don't know if the numbers really bear it out, you know? Right, like uh, he's not going to be putting up like 28. There's, he's still like going to have those games where he scores like five points in 30 yeah. minutes because he or, just, just or doesn't. Like only plays 22 yeah. minutes. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I just don't get it. Like yeah. It seemed like they... I don't think they're going all in, you know. I don't think they have this like playoff mandate necessarily. Obviously, no. they want to get back, but I, it was such an odd series of moves. Like you bring Bayambo, who's still a young guy on a on a long term deal. I was like, okay, great, you're building for the future, and then you bring in Ibaka, who's on a one year you know rental essentially. And to be fair, so was Oladipo. And if you know, I'm a fan of if you knew you're not going to keep Oladipo, get something for him, sure. But don't bring back somebody who's in the same contract situation. You know, when you already have, when your best asset, your best long-term asset plays the same position. Like, it seemed like they brought in Ibaka at the expense of Aaron Gordon's development. And if they believe he's a three, then fine. I just I just don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think it's it's tough because I think the, oh, the best way, I think, to, to go forward with this um, current roster to make it all work would be to play Vucevic like 20 minutes a game like yes and that that's the only way that I can you make can't the win with him work. playing more like, than 25 if he if he's playing 20 22 minutes a game and then you have Bayumbo in for like 18 minutes a game and then Ibaka playing the five when those two are on the bench then you can get Gordon around 30 minutes at the four and that's the only really real way to make it work without without one of them getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that happens. Okay, five teams left. I will give you the team that I maybe like talking about the least, the Dallas Mavericks. Ooh. Swear to God, if you bring up Harrison Barnes. <laughs> I never bring him up. You're always the one that brings him up. Um, I'm totally fine not talking about Harrison Barnes. The Black Falcon. I think Andrew Bogut has his best year since. Let me look at his years. I think he has his best year since 2011, 2012, which was his first year with uh, the Golden State Warriors. Okay. Uh, I think he. I don't know how they managed to keep him healthy enough to to up his minutes to the to kind of 28 to 30 range, but I think they, they find a way to do it. 
I think he meshes perfectly with this kind of group of, of Dirk plus kind of cast offs. And, and I think he gets along great with Dirk and Carlisle. Oh yeah. Uh, just think that he really kind of has fun out there. They, they kind of surprise everyone and win like 44 games. Okay. Uh, Bogut is one of the 10 best centers in the league. Sure. Yeah. I think he was underutilized in golden state. You know, obviously there's the trade off of being the best team in the league. Uh, but I think people did forget how good Bogut can be, and he's more than a 17 or 18 minute per game guy. So I, I'm totally with you on that. All right, I will give you the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks make the playoffs. Whoa, the the Knicks are seven new, or an new eight bonus seed. Prediction on the um, as we've said all preseason, it's, it's going to be Knicks and Bulls are the two teams you're comparing. One because of the markets, two because of the drastic moves that they made involving each other. Uh, I think Joe Kim Noah has a big-time bounce-back year. I, I'm not going to go in on Derrick Rose. I, I don't think he's going to be any good. They have no depth whatsoever. Um, but I think, what about I think Chas and Randall? I don't know. Chasson Randall? Chasson Randall. Chas and Randall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I think this is just like, this is going to be a really fun team. Like Brandon Jennings is going to do a bunch of Jennings things. He's going to be pulling out all the street ball moves. Courtney Lee is a, is a nice little filler at the two guard. Like I said, the bench is atrocious. What That's about Mindaugas Kuzmingas? If we want to talk Mindaugas, <laughs> please listen to our, our actual Mindaugas Kuzmingas podcast if you want more on that. Um, no, I, again, I can't vouch for the bench. That's the problem. But I think Melo is, Melo is out to prove something. I don't know what exactly right. that is. I think he wants to prove that he's like a top five player. Did you see he was, he was slighted recently? In the, 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 the team? Well, in the division or what? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, like Slam Magazine is okay. doing, you know, everyone does their top 100 countdown this sure. time of year, and Slam is getting around to it. Yeah. And Melo came in at 15, and he, was, he wasn't having it. He wasn't having 15. 15, right? Like 15 is like, 15 is either like, okay, sure, or that's a little high. Not, whoa, what? <laughs> I, if I'm Melo, I take that as a win. <laughs> right, exactly. That's what I thought. Like 15. <laughs> but Melo, right. So I think Melo's like out to prove like I'm a top five player. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Knicks will be fun, and I think they they just get enough kind of devil magic from somewhere to uh, to get into the playoffs. Nice. All right, talk to me about the Nets. We can we can make this one real quick. All right. Uh, Are they relegated? Rondé Hollis Jefferson averages. Can't believe this is the direction <laughs> this is going. <laughs> I think he averages nine boards. Nine boards. Nine boards a year, or nine boards. For Man, the year. that's this is the topic everybody's been talking yeah. about. Can Rondé Hollis Jefferson get to nine rebounds per game? And James it. says he can. He does it. Uh, okay. A good. A good heaping of double doubles. No, you don't for, have to explain yourself. Rondé Hollis Jefferson this year. Okay, <laughs> two more teams left. Uh, Boston, Celtics for you. Celtics win the East regular season. All right. I think. Um, no, I think we don't have to explain. Yourself. The Cavs, can, yeah, Cavs can go one <laughs> of two ways. They're either going to they're either going to go full bore and and take the East easily, or they're going to relax and finish second. Uh, and if if it's the latter, I think Boston surpasses Toronto. Uh, I think Toronto took a step back this offseason. I think Boston took a step forward. Uh, they they become the the Pacers, uh, what the Pacers were, I guess, to LeBron's Heat a few years ago, losing the playoffs, but you know, I guess, quote unquote, beat LeBron in the regular season. All right, so let's finish out Miami. Did we do Chicago? 
think so. Okay. Um, they trade Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside during the season, and load up on future picks, uh, young players, you know, what have you, and. I think they do this because they're going to go all in on free agency this upcoming year and the year after. And I don't think they think either of those guys moves the needle at all for an incoming free agent. Like, no, I don't think if they're going after, I think what they're going to want to do is obviously bring in two guys in the same class. It's right. like a package deal. And I think not having Dragic, not having Whiteside helps them get a top five pick this year, clears cap space. And, you know, I just don't think either of those guys are top three players on championship teams. So in that scenario, did they sign Whiteside just to like, have him as a trade asset? Right. You're like, why sign him to that yeah. deal? Okay. Because, like, you, I mean, you, you want to – I think teams, teams sign a lot more players that they don't plan on finishing the contract with them than, than fans realize, he's just, he's, I think. If you could create somebody who's an anti-Pat Riley guy, like it's Whiteside, right? Like right. That, that, that did always seem weird to me. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and you know, how many teams we, – we talk about how, how hard it is to trade point guards. I think it's really easy to trade centers, specifically rim protectors, mm -hmm. uh, to, you know, whatever whatever no, kind so of too. fringe contender um, you know, come this winter. I so. think you're right that we didn't do the Bulls. We talked about the Fareed going to the Bulls, but I don't think we did the Bulls. So um, what, a, what a trade proposal. Do you have anything off the top of your head? I think the Bulls are going to be bad. Yeah. I think they're going to they're gonna lead the league in games where they score fewer than 90 points. I think there's going to be a Rondo-Dwayne Wade on-court argument that goes viral this year. At, like, that is, I would bet that Jimmy Butler is involved instead of Wade. Wade, okay. Wade, like to me, is like something too with Rondo. Rondo sure. and a teammate. Like, Wade is too court. in control to let that happen to him. I think but maybe I like behind think, the scenes. I also think Rondo's or Wade's just going to get so fed up with Rondo's crap at a certain point that he could just flip okay. and like not care because he knows he's in the right. Like yeah. it's not one of those type of things where people are going to be like, "Oh, what's wrong with the Heat?" It, no matter right. what, it's going to be what's wrong with Rondo and like. Wade's gonna be fine being the guy that like. I could see out. Wade doing the LeBron like takes subtle shots at you know within okay. the media or you know little you know little comments here and there. Like I don't think there's gonna be like a physical altercation, but I think there's gonna be like a war of words in the press or you know just just kind of social media whatever it is. All right, yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, something with Rondo that kind of leads sports center sure. one night. All right, that'll wrap it up. Uh, the three amigos will be back on the pod on Friday. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.